Good morning, everyone, from wherever you're watching. My name is Sam. I'm one of the pastors at King's Church, and it's a real privilege to get to share God's Word with us today. We will be continuing from our Philippians series. We'll be seeking to pick it up from where we left off last week. This morning, I'll be focusing on Philippians chapter 3, speaking to us about God's gift of righteousness. I'm really excited about that, the fact that I'll be talking about gifts. I love gifts, be it a birthday gift or a gift at Christmas. I just love the fact that a lot of thought, you know, goes into them. And gifts are very special things, aren't they? So this morning, just really excited because I get to share about God's gift of righteousness to us. I'd like us to pray together and then we can look at God's word. So Father, we want to Thank you for your gift of righteousness. Thank you that it's not dependent on us. It's not down to our own work or efforts. It is solely by your grace. And I thank you, Father God, that you give us freely your righteousness. And the way we receive this gift of righteousness is through faith in the Lord Jesus And so, Father, would you come and help us this morning? Help me as I teach your word. Would you help many out there who are watching to connect with your truth? I want to pray, God, that you would come and save. I want to pray that you would come and heal. I want to pray that you'd come and transform hearts. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. So, Philippians into chapter 3. Last week, uh, Paul finished off the second part of chapter 2. And I think the key thing that came through uh, when he preached last week was the fact that we have a part to play in our own developing and maturing. We don't leave that to anybody else, but we get on board, all hands on deck. This morning, like I said, I will be focusing on God's gift of righteousness. And to a large extent, these verses are very much Paul's own story as well, not just his story, but your story and my story, effectively we get to see something of Paul's heart, his personal testimony of how he encountered the Lord Jesus and how Jesus transformed his heart. And I'm certain that many of you would identify with that. And so let's turn to God's word. Philippians into chapter 3, Paul starts off. He says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Rejoice, Paul says. Why does he ask the believers or the church to rejoice? Well, I believe he says that because of things he had said in previous chapters or verses and also the things he was about to share with them. Well, why, why is this important? Why is rejoicing important? I believe it is important because, you see, joy is, is a fruit of the Holy Spirit who indwells us. Rejoicing also stops us from grumbling and, and complaining. Also, because of our joy, the world would want to know Jesus, whom we have come to believe. So Paul says, rejoice. Then he goes on, he says, in the Lord, rejoice in the Lord, rejoice in who God is, rejoice in his blessings, rejoice in his grace 
and mercy. Rejoice in the goodness and in the kindness of God. Rejoice in his fellowship in the Lord, Paul says to the church. You see, that's why trouble, hardship, and persecution cannot take away our joy. You know, the reason is this, because our joy is not in the world or in the things of the world. Our joy, however, is in the Lord Jesus, who never changes. I would like to just pause here for a minute and ask you to consider this question. Where do you find your joy? I'd like to say to you, let the Lord be the one who gives you joy. Paul says he's happy to write these things to the church again and says it is safe for them. In the midst of Paul speaking about rejoicing, Paul is quick to bring a word of caution. He says, look out for the dogs in verse 2, evildoers and those who mutilate the flesh. Paul uses these three terms of dogs, evildoers and people who mutilate the flesh, referring to the same kind of people. Basically, Paul was focusing on false teachers. Paul says, look out for them. To help us understand why Paul says this. You see, in Paul's time, most of the false teachers were Jews who tried to teach new believers that in order to obtain salvation, they must be circumcised. And so basically their point was that Jesus or belief or faith in Jesus alone wasn't enough. They had to get some other add-ons or add on a bit more, this being circumcision. Paul, however, teaches that there is no spiritual advantage in being circumcised. So in Galatians chapter 5, verses 2 and 6, Paul says, Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ would be of no advantage to you. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith working through love. Paul then shares a different perspective on the subject. He says to us in verse 3, Paul says, For we are the circumcision, speaking of himself and the believers or the church, who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. You see, the Jews believed that because they were natural descendants of the first Jew, Abraham, and because they had been circumcised, they were therefore the only true Jews. And to just help us understand circumcision, when Abraham entered into covenant with God, or basically God gave Abraham circumcision as a sign of his covenant with him. And so on the eighth day, every male child had to be circumcised. It served as a sign of God's covenant with Abraham and his descendants and further generations to follow. Paul, however, rejects this idea of the Jewish teachers teaching about circumcision as an add-on or, or, or external circumcision as the real thing. Paul teaches that he says rather the true circumcision are those people whose hearts have been circumcised, those who have been circumcised 
inwardly, not an external thing. Those who through a sovereign work of God have had their hearts of stone taken away and been giving hearts that can now respond to the spirit of God and to God himself. The true circumcision or the covenant people of God are those who Paul says worship by the spirit. They experience the spirit of God. They love the spirit of God. They keep in step with the spirit. Those who glory in Christ, they boast in him and they are satisfied in him. And he also says those who put no confidence in the flesh. No confidence first in the act of circumcision itself, but also no confidence in oneself, their own efforts or works in seeking to make themselves right with God. Their confidence, rather, is in the Lord Jesus. In Colossians 2 verse 11, Paul says this, In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Circumcision or true circumcision is therefore a martyr of the heart, Paul affirms. The Jewish leaders who put their confidence in the flesh, the fact that they were natural descendants of Abraham, the fact that they had been circumcised and I guess believe in their own effort, often boasted about the fact that they were the true Jews. They were the true covenant uh, people of God. But Paul was also a true Jew according to the flesh. If the Jewish leaders thought they could put confidence in the flesh, well, Paul could put more confidence in the flesh. And so in Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 to 6, this is what Paul says. He says he was circumcised on the eighth day according to Jewish law. He says he was of the people of Israel. He belonged to the nation of Israel. He says of the tribe of Benjamin who was the youngest son of Jacob, who was the grandson of Abraham, and so he had a link there. He says, a Hebrew of Hebrews, Paul was a true Hebrew, as one could be. He says, as to the law, a Pharisee. The Pharisees were the strictest Jewish sect. He goes on and he says, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church. So strict and zealous that he persecuted the church. As to righteousness, blameless under the law, Paul effectively obeyed all the rules and regulations of Jewish law. And so if the Jewish teachers were putting confidence in their own efforts, Paul says, look here, I have more. And he goes on in verse 7 and he says this, Indeed, I have this tall list of things in which I can put my confidence However, he says in verse 7, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Paul basically adds up all his achievements. Everything that could be put to his account is put together and it all equals zero, Paul says. How does a person come to possess Christ then? We certainly learn that it doesn't happen by our efforts. Paul considers all the above, his tall list, to be of no profit. He considers them a loss. The reason why Paul considers them a loss was because all these things prevented him from putting his confidence in the Lord 
Jesus Christ. Paul has to therefore throw away all his religious goods effectively. He's lost all these things so that he may gain Christ who is much more superior and much more worthy. So he will be saved. He has thrown away all these goods. Not that these things could help him gain Christ. No, they couldn't. He's thrown all these things away. He says, no, these things cannot save me. I cannot have my confidence in these things. They will not make me right with God. However, I know one who can make me right with God. So it felt like in a place of loss, Paul gained the ultimate in Jesus himself. He had to throw everything away. You know, it's, it's like this. Sometimes when you're, you're going on an airplane and... Um, they often would give you a breakdown of what your, your hand luggage or whatever should weigh. Let's just assume that it was, you know, maybe 25 kilos. And then you got there and your bag weighed maybe 40 kilos. Well, you would not be allowed to go through. Even if you opened your bag and said to the guys, you know, the customs guys or whoever was there, if you said to them, these are very precious things in my bag. They probably will just look at you and say, sorry, you've got to reduce that to the right weight. And so what you need to do is to start looking in your bag. It could be that all the things there are very, very, very important, but suddenly you're having to throw these things away so you can bring the weight down to the required weight. It was very much like this for Paul. He had to throw these things away. And once you do that, you will then be allowed to go through. But until then, I'm sure they're just going to look at you and say, sorry, you can't go with that bag until you bring it down to the required weight. Paul couldn't find any confidence in these things. On the subject of gaining Christ, uh, Jesus uh, tells uh, a parable of, of men who sold everything they had in order to buy something else of even greater value. In Matthew uh, 13, Jesus says, The kingdom of God is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. In his joy, he goes and sells everything he has and buys that field. He also said the kingdom of God is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. In finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all he had and bought it. Jesus is that pearl of great price. He is more valuable than everything in the world put together. Jesus is of much more worth. Paul goes on, he says about how he has suffered loss in all things in verse 8. You see, Paul was sometimes forced to give up things for the Lord. Sometimes they were stripped of him by others. We never truly glory in Christ without being in the same way and at the same point tested. Whatever the laws, it is always for the sake of Christ, however, and nothing can compare to that. Paul then goes on and begins to share even more exciting news with us. He says about how he has been found in Jesus. In verse 9, he says, and be found in him, 
not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Paul finds Jesus a dwelling so attractive he cannot bear to be away. He wants nothing except to be found in him. I don't want to be anywhere else but to be found in Jesus. Whoever looks at him should see a man in Christ. Jesus is now Paul's permanent address. And we can say the same as well. Jesus is our permanent address because we are found in him. Wherever Paul was, whatever the situation, good or bad, Paul would always be found in him. The same is true for us. So how then are we made righteous? How are we made right with God? Paul helps us. Three things he highlights for us in verse 9 of Philippians chapter 3. Paul says, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. This is what Paul is saying here. I'm going to go back to my gift, my very special gift. Paul says this. There is a righteousness which does not satisfy. All right? That righteousness he calls a righteousness of my own. Secondly, he says that the righteousness which meets the requirements are a righteousness from God. This is true righteousness. And then thirdly, Paul says, there is a way by which this righteousness can be obtained through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He helps us. This is what Paul says. Paul says to us that righteousness is a gift from God. Paul says that this righteousness it's not down to our own works. This righteousness, which is basically God's way of making people right with him, is not down to your works or my works. It is not down to our own efforts. So nothing we do in our own strength or power can make us right with God. Paul helped us with that. All the things he listed didn't make him right with God. He thought he was on track, but when he met the Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus, everything changed. He encountered one who was more glorious. He says, our efforts, our works cannot earn us righteousness. So the big question is this. How are we made right with God? Well, Paul helps us actually in Romans chapter 3, verses 21 to 24. Paul says that righteousness is a gift from God. So it is God's idea. God initiates it. It is not from us. It is not down to us. It is a gift from God. How are we made righteous? He goes on, he says, it is through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So the way we are made right with God, the way this gift can become ours is when we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. When we lean on Jesus, when we effectively 
confess with our mouth that Jesus is his Lord, that Jesus is Lord, and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, when we put our faith in Jesus, this gift of righteousness becomes ours. So we come on the basis of what Jesus has done, not on our works or our How does God make us right with him? Well, faith in the Lord Jesus, this gift of righteousness becomes mine and yours as well. It is a free gift. It is from God. It comes through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul finishes off. Verses 10 and 11, he says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Having received this free gift of righteousness through faith in the Lord Jesus, Paul is stead and wants to know Jesus more. He wants to become more and more like Jesus. No other person. To know Jesus and become like him would also involve the same experiences. Don't be surprised, therefore, when life brings you trials or hardships. But our hope, however, is that we have the power of the resurrected Christ in us. He's at work in us. And in our desire to follow him, he keeps fellowship with us. If you've been listening to me this morning, and you know you are not yet in right standing with God, Well, remember the Bible teaches us that on our own, we cannot make ourselves right with God. God, however, in his mercy, has given us a free gift of righteousness. The way that gift becomes ours is when we put our faith in the Lord Jesus, when we believe in Jesus, believe in his finished work, his death and resurrection from the dead. Then, God's gift can become ours. It's a free gift. If you've been listening and would really like to make contact, well, please do send us a message. Drop us a line at hello at kings. We would really love to connect with you and speak about this some more. Thank you very much for listening. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and give you his peace. I think I'm going to hold on to this gift of righteousness. I hold on to this. God bless you.